Chapter Twenty One of Wise and Otherwise. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Wise and Otherwise by Pansy. Chapter Twenty One. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. I don't believe a word of the nonsense, Mr. Sale said, in a tone that was very irate for him. It is just some abominable gossip. I'm sick of gossip anyway. I wish you ladies had some other business to take up. They were spending the evening, he and his wife, with Mr. and Mrs. Alec Tyndall. Mrs. Tyndall laughed good-humoredly, having no tendencies toward that employment herself, and being aware that Mr. Sales knew it, she was not disturbed by the doubtful compliment. I wish you gentlemen would so conduct yourselves that we wouldn't have so much of it to do, she retorted with a mimicry of his tone. But about this matter, I am really afraid it is more than gossip. Mrs. Roberts herself told me that both he and Mrs. Tresevant had promised to come. She called on me this afternoon, a thing she rarely does, and I am afraid it was for the express purpose of giving me this bit of news. She kindly expressed sympathy with the dismay that I tried not to show, and assured me that she was perfectly surprised herself, that, although she, of course, considered such amusements perfectly legitimate for young people, still at the same time it was rather queer to think of a clergyman mingling with them. Now she would hardly have said all that without some foundation, would she? There's no telling what that woman may or may not say, Mr. Sales responded, still in evident ill-humor. What such women were created for is sometimes a puzzle to me. Tyndall, do you really suppose the man is going to a masked ball? Oh, Jerome, not quite so bad as that. It was still Mrs. Tyndall's voice that answered him, Mr. Tyndall remaining absolutely silent. It is a private party to be held at her house, and she assured me there would be no dancing until after Mr. Tresevant left. Not that she had the least idea of his objecting to it, she said, but for the purpose of avoiding talk, she thought we ought to try to shield our minister's reputation, even though he were a little careless himself. Yes, said Mr. Sales, with a sarcastic drawl. She is a very discreet and considerate woman, no doubt of it. Is there anything that can be done? Mrs. Sales asked, speaking for the first time, and speaking as she generally did, very simply and to the point. I'm sure I don't know what, growled her husband. If he were a silly boy, who could be shut up for twenty-four hours and fed on bread and water, there might be some hope of him. Oh, Jerome, his wife said, in a tone full of distress. He turned toward her suddenly. I know I am not respectful, my dear, but the man puts me utterly out of patience sometimes. He is our pastor, Mrs. Sales said gently. Yes, he answered promptly, and I should remember it. Well, has anybody something to suggest? It must be that he has been misled as to the nature of the gathering, Mr. Tyndall said or has simply accepted the invitation without inquiring into the matter, or realizing that it is other than an ordinary evening gathering, his wife added. Then let us take that view of the case for granted, and have a straightforward talk with him about it. If he has misunderstood, he will thank somebody for information. Suppose you call on him tomorrow and have the straightforward talk, suggested Mrs. Tyndall, with a gleam of mischief in her eye. Mr. Sales shrugged his shoulders expressively. There couldn't be a worse individual than myself selected for such delicate matters, he said. My wife knows just how I blunder. 
never did succeed well in conversation with Mr. Tresevant when he was an inmate of our house. We always ran against snags. I'm inclined to think that the very sight of me puts him on the defensive. Send Abby, then, said Mrs. Tyndall. To this Mrs. Sayles answered emphatically, No, not a bit of it. Abby had her full share of that sort of thing while they were with us. She and Mrs. Tresevant are too utterly unlike to assimilate enough to be of any benefit to each other, and it is probably Mrs. Tresevant who is at the bottom of this new idea. There seems to be nobody to go, laughed Mrs. Tyndall. Jerome, you and I are too wicked, and Abby and Alec are too good. I'll tell you what, interrupted Mr. Sayles. Alec, you are just the man. Dr. Douglas is too peppery, and besides has had an errand or two of a similar sort, but you have not come in contact with any of his peculiar ideas, and he will be inclined to treat your opinions with consideration. You will have to go. It is entirely new business to me, Mr. Tyndall said hesitatingly, to dictate to our pastor. I have been accustomed to consider it the people's duty to receive advice from him instead of giving it. I'll risk your dictating to him, Mr. Sales answered laughing. He is not disposed to receive anything of that sort, and is very prompt to let you know it. No, nothing can be gained by trying to lead him, and, of course, it is not our business to do so. We must just act on the surmise or hope that he is unaware of the nature of the entertainment in question, and perhaps it would be as well to let him know incidentally what is being said by those outside the church on the subject. It was because of this and further conversation on the same topic that Mr. Tyndall found himself, to his own surprise, and not a little to his dismay, waiting the next morning in the further parlor of Mr. Tresevant's hotel for the descent of that gentleman. This was, as he said, new business to him. Deeply interested in all that pertained to the spiritual welfare of the church, as he had been since he first became one of its members, earnest as had been his work and his life, he still had taken very little active part in any of its outside issues, and shrank from doing so. It was perhaps this fact that made him, as Mr. Sales had said, just the man for the occasion. The talk was on indifferent topics for some little time after Mr. Tresevant's appearance, until his guest, despairing of reaching the object of his visit in any other way, plunged into it. By the way, Mr. Tresevant, you are accustomed to all manner of people. I suppose you have discovered that there are some peculiar ones in our church, and perhaps are aware that Mrs. Roberts is one of the number? Now the instant Mr. Tyndall had finished this somewhat blundering sentence, he became aware by the change in his pastor's face that he had made a mistake, also that Mr. Tresevant was better posted than himself on the nature of the gathering in Mrs. Roberts' parlors. An indescribable stiffness took the place of his former suavity of manner, and he asked, with some haughtiness, To what do you refer? Straightforwardness was Mr. Tyndall's motto, the watchword upon which he generally acted, and perhaps he was not sorry to be thus early released from the domain of strategy, which he felt that he did not understand, and thoroughly disliked. He answered promptly and frankly. I was thinking, when I spoke, what a strange form for an entertainment given by a Christian woman to take in these enlightened days. Mr. Tresevant was clearly not inclined to assist him. His answers consisted of brief and somewhat haughtily put questions. Why so? It was certainly an easy way of carrying a conversation. Mr. Tyndall resolved to resort to it. 
Perhaps I have been misinformed. Is she to have a masquerade party at her house on Wednesday evening? Something of that nature, I believe. What is the matter with masquerade parties, when properly conducted, Mr. Tyndall? When are they properly conducted? Mr. Tyndall asked, with a quiet smile. When they are given by a Christian lady in her own private parlor, for the pleasure and profit of the young people. At least I am charitable enough to hope that they will be properly conducted, until I see reason to believe to the contrary. They were not making very rapid progress. Mr. Tyndall was already nearly convinced that his call was to be in vain, and felt very much inclined to drop the question and beat a retreat. But there was one difficulty in the way. He had but half displayed his own colors. To furl them now seemed cowardly. I am sorry to see our young people, especially the young people of our church and Sabbath school, obliged to resort to such questionable pleasures, he said gently, but with the courteous dignity of manner that was natural to him. Why questionable? Mr. Tresevant answered with a superior smile. Because unnatural, and because of their tendency to foster a taste for scenes and places that cannot be entered into without harm. But, my dear friend, why should the fact that a company of merry boys and girls, all well acquainted with each other, choose to assume a fanciful disguise for the purpose of sharpening the wits and enjoying the blunders of their companions be so formidable a thing? Do you consider it a profitable and unharmful way of spending an evening? Certainly I do, was Mr. Tresevant's prompt answer, and had his guest been as well acquainted with him as were Mr. Sales and Dr. Douglas, he would have known that so far as any hope of influencing his pastor now was concerned, he might take his hat and depart as well first as last. Mr. Tresevant had made a positive statement, and to change his views, or at least to admit a change of views, was in his estimation an absolute disgrace. But Mr. Tyndall did not know his pastor in this respect, and besides he was very much astonished. Indeed, there were several respects in which he did not know him very well. You differ from most of our church in this view, do you not, sir? he asked in surprise. Very probably, Mr. Tresevant answered composedly. He did not object to differing from people in general. He believed himself to be an original man. Our church does not profess to be infallible, he added, still with that superior smile. But, Mr. Tresevant, let us understand each other, said Mr. Tyndall, growing much in earnest. Suppose the young people of whom you speak were not all well acquainted with each other. Suppose they were not in a private parlor, but in this hotel, for instance, and a promiscuous masked company were mingling freely together, what guarantee have mothers that their daughters shall not be insulted by gross language, such as should never greet their ears, or commence an acquaintance that shall be lifelong in its disgrace and sorrow? If you descend to the domain of supposition, you can make out extraordinary cases, one can suppose anything, you know, and I hope you will pardon me for saying that you have in this instance given free range to your imagination. I was not speaking of a promiscuous company assembled in this or any other hotel, but of the class of society that Mrs. Roberts is in the habit of entertaining in her private parlors. I know, and I was speaking of the danger of fostering a taste for questionable amusements and questionable places. How can you be certain this very entertainment will not develop in some innocent girl the longing for more excitement of the same sort? Mr. Tresevant laughed sarcastically. That is peculiar reasoning, is it not, Mr. Tyndall? You are not a lawyer by profession, I perceive. 
how can we be certain that every little innocent thing we say or do may not in some mysterious way be the means of leading others astray? If we reason after that fashion, there will be very little left for us to occupy ourselves in. My theory is that if we furnish our young people with a reasonable amount of amusements under our own eye, they will be much less likely to seek for them in questionable places. Would you reason in that manner in regard to other amusements? For instance, would you advocate parlor card tables in order that young men shall not be tempted into gambling saloons, and home wine drinking to lessen the fear of their becoming drunkards, and private theatricals to neutralize a taste for the theater? Mr. Tyndall's voice and manner were cool and composed, but there was, perhaps, a little flash of sarcasm in his eyes. In truth, he suspected his pastor's perfect sincerity, believing him to be too sharp a man to be caught himself in any of the traps that he was so smoothly spreading out for his guest. But Mr. Tresevant answered him promptly. We should doubtless differ even in regard to those things. I have often questioned whether in many families the reins were not too tightly drawn, thus causing a grievous rebound. But those are not the topics under present consideration, allow me to remind you. Mr. Tyndall was rapidly losing his patience. He did not wonder that Mr. Sales and his pastor had assumed defensive attitudes toward each other, if such were the style of argument in which the latter often indulged. What was the use of wasting time in talking to a man who declined making a single straightforward reply, but contented himself with composedly stating general principles in which all the Christian world were agreed, provided one did not twist and warp those principles to make them fit some peculiar idea of their own. Mr. Tyndall realized more fully than he had before that he, at least, was not fitted for this present mission. He doubted if any one were. At least, Mr. Tresevant, he said, laying aside all circumlocution and all prudence, I trust that rumor has slandered you when it reports that yourself and Mrs. Tresevant are to be among Mrs. Roberts' guests on next Wednesday evening. Mr. Tresevant's face visibly darkened, and his voice grew haughty. Dame Rumor is deeply interested in my affairs, he said with emphasis. I ought to be thoroughly accustomed to her interference by this time, but for once I must give her credit for being more truthful in her reports than usual. Mrs. Tresevant and myself have the honor of being among the invited guests. Then you will pardon the suggestion that I have to make, that you will think again of this matter before you accept the invitation? Mr. Tyndall had laid aside his half-annoyed tone and spoke earnestly and respectfully. I know I am treading upon delicate ground and seeming to interfere with personal matters, but I beg you to believe that such is not my design. I remember that you are a very busy man, that your time and thoughts are occupied with matters entirely foreign to the one in hand, and it would not be strange if you failed to realize the effect that your presence at such an entertainment will be likely to produce among some of our people. There are Christian parents in our church who are feeling deeply in regard to this very matter. They have withheld their consent to their children's acceptance of this invitation, not deeming it a wise amusement for them, and they are wondering whether it can be true that their pastor is countenancing the proceeding, and much talk is being made about it. I thought it my duty, as one of your flock, to inform you of the state of things in order that the unnecessary agitation might be suppressed and no harm be done to any one. End of chapter 21. Recording by Tricia G.